We would like to welcome you to the first show of the month of December. Uh, always a significant month in our history. <laughs> and, of course, um, I'd like to introduce myself. My name is Gavin Walker, and this is The Jazz Show. And we are coming at you from CITR FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. And we have three hours plus of some of the very best in jazz music. That's what we do every Monday. We have three shows to do in the month of December. And the first two, including this evening, uh, will be devoted to original movie scores written by jazz musicians for movies that were not about jazz. And the first one is, I'll tell you about it in a moment. And of course, this, our third show this month uh, will be our annual Christmas show in which uh, we'll present music that uh, you're not going to hear in the shopping malls. And of course, uh, we're going to have a visit from uh, Scrooge, and uh, all kinds of different characters on that show. That'll be December 18th, if I'm not mistaken, which will be our final show for 2017. But on to tonight, and the first of our two jazz features from movies. And this one is a very famous movie, because the star is one of the great icons of all kinds of movies, the great British actor Michael Caine. Michael Caine really came to the public attention with this particular movie and this character that he played in the movie. The movie was called Alfie, and Michael Caine, of course, played Alfie, and Alfie was a cad, and uh, Kind of a selfish fellow, good-looking guy, uh, took advantage of women, and, of course, eventually met up with his nemesis, who was a woman that took advantage of him, and he learned uh, a couple of great, important lessons in life and uh, hopefully learned from it. Anyway, it was a great movie. They, they, they did a remake a few years ago, and it was totally lame in comparison to this original version of uh, Alfie. There were some uh, wonderful actresses and actors in the movie. Uh, Millicent Martin, Julia Fraser, uh, Julia Foster, and Shelley Winters uh, as Ruby. She was great in this movie. And, of course, Michael Caine. So, uh, the score for this movie was written by none other than Sonny Rollins. And uh, he took upon himself to write some very original music for this movie, and it was played throughout the film. Now, he became, of course, uh, known for this particular movie score. This was uh, probably this was a first for Sonny Rollins. He had never done anything quite like this before, and uh, there was a famous song that came out of the movie. Uh, it was simply called Alfie. Now, Sonny Rollins did not write that. It was written by the great uh, uh, songwriting team of Burt Bacharach and uh, Hal David. And they composed the tune 
called Elfie, and it became quite a hit. It was a beautiful song. What's it all about, Elfie, etc., etc.? You probably heard it somewhere along the line. And it was uh, a very famous pop tune at the time. So that was part of the movie. And we're going to hear a wonderful, uh, we're going to hear Sonny Rollins' score uh, with all his original compositions that were played uh, throughout the movie. And uh, we're also going to hear an interpretation of the song Alfie by Rassan Roland Kirk and Company. Uh, a very beautiful uh, version of that tune. And Rassan, of course, tips his hat to Sonny Rollins. Um, as he plays that tune. So that will conclude our jazz feature. Um, we'll play the Rollins score first and conclude with uh, Rassan Roland Kirk playing the famous uh, Bach rock tune, uh, Alfie. What's it all about? So, Sonny Rollins um, wrote the basic music. Now, he's going to be heard. Um, he does some incredible playing on this album. Uh, the music and the themes that he wrote were expanded for an orchestra by the great Oliver Nelson. And the orchestra is full of um, wonderful musicians uh, that Nelson picked to uh, augment um, the music of Sonny Rollins. But... Um, the people in the big band are only featured in uh, ensemble roles. The, sol the soloists are obviously Sonny Rollins. We're going to hear a little bit of Kenny Burrell uh, on guitar. Um, Roger Calloway, um, great pianist. And Walter Booker on bass. And Frankie Dunlop on drums. And, um, of course, accompanied by this uh, orchestra arranged by the great Oliver Nelson. So, uh, this album was issued on the Impulse label, and of course it was uh, simply uh, entitled Original Music from the Score uh, of Alfie with Sonny Rollins and, as I said, the orchestra conducted by Oliver Nelson. The tunes on this album are all original compositions by Sonny Rollins, and we open up with um, a famous composition that you probably heard before. It's called Alfie's Theme. And Sonny Rollins on this one delivers one of his most incredible solos on here. He really tells a story. We hear um, a solo by Kenny Burrell on that to uh, open things up. And then Roger Kellaway on piano, and then he leads into Sonny Rollins' solo. And uh, um, that first tune sets such a high, high standard uh, for this album, which was all recorded in January of 1966. So we open with Alfie's theme, and then uh, tune number two uh, is called He's Younger Than You Are, and that's kind of a soulful piece of music, um, which again features Sonny Rollins. Uh, then we hear tune number three is called Street Runner with Child. Tune number four, transition theme for minor blues or Little Malcolm Loves His Dad. That's tune number four. Tune number five is entitled On Impulse. And tune number six wraps things up uh, with Alfie's theme differently. So these six pieces um, make up 
the music that was played uh, throughout this um, historic and great movie with uh, Michael Caine and company. So we get to the sounds right away, and once again, the soloists on here, of course, are Sonny Rollins. Um, we'll hear solos by Kenny Burrell on guitar, Roger Kellaway on piano, Walter Booker on bass, and the great uh, ex-Thelonious Monk drummer Frankie Dunlop does a tremendous job uh, on this uh, set. So here, then, is the first of our movie themes, Sonny Rollins and Alfie.
Our jazz feature this evening, the music from the famous Michael Caine movie, movie that put Michael on the, on the map, a movie called Alfie, all about a British cad who learns some pretty hard lessons in life and uh, has to grow up. And, uh, of course, that was a wonderful movie in itself. We're doing two film scores as jazz features. Uh, next week, we're going to do a Miles Davis film score. And the two film scores have, um, are about films that have nothing to do with jazz. And, of course, um, Alfie was a drama and a comedy as well. Uh, and just a great story. And um, Sonny Rollins was contracted to do and compose the music for the movie Alfie, and uh, he did. And we heard his uh, original music for that score, and we, we heard um, on the first part of the jazz feature all of Sonny's original compositions, which were played uh, throughout the movie. Um, Sonny's uh, tunes were expanded uh, for a small orchestra by the great uh, arranger-composer Oliver Nelson, 
And, of course, the people that accompanied Sonny and the soloists that you heard, of course, were mostly Sonny Rollins on tenor saxophone. Uh, but we heard some great solos by Kenny Burrell on guitar and Roger Calloway on piano, wonderful pianist who's um, kind of overlooked these days. What a great player he is, was, is, is. Roger is still with us. And uh, the late, great Walter Booker on bass. And Thelonious Monk's, uh, I think one of the finest drummers to ever play with Thelonious Monk was Frankie Dunlop, and he is the drummer on uh, the uh, Sonny Rollins set. And the tunes, we we heard six tunes. The seventh tune was um, the great uh, song that Burt Bacharach and Hal David um, wrote for the movie. And, of course, the wonderful words, uh, what's it all about, Alfie? And uh, the basic title of that is just simply Alfie. And we heard uh, Rassan Roland Kirk play that uh, beautiful theme with, uh, with his little band. But first of all, the, uh, the Sonny Rollins personnel, I, well, I mentioned all the people that played with Sonny. The tunes, uh, we opened with... Um, this incredible solo by Sonny Rollins, which uh, kind of set the standard for the whole set, and we heard uh, Alfie's theme. Second tune was a, a soft uh, spoken piece of music called He's Younger Than You Are, and that's a very important line in the movie. It's spoken by Shelley Winters, who plays uh, Alfie's nemesis in the movie. And uh, tune number three is called Street Runner with Child. Tune number four is transition theme for Minor Blues or Little Malcolm Loves His Dad. Uh, tune number five, very pretty thing called On Impulse. And the final tune was um, kind of uh, uh, represented uh, Alfie um, after he's learned all his lessons, and it was called simply Alfie's Theme Differently. Then we heard uh, Rassan Roland Kirk play the beautiful tune, What's It All About, Alfie, with his uh, little band, Lonnie Liston-Smith on piano, uh, Ronnie Boykins on bass, and Grady Tate on drums. So that completed the music from the famous Michael Caine movie, the original movie. The The, the remake of Al Alfie was lame. <laughs> The only, the only Alfie to watch is the original. Of course, that's easily available um, on Netflix or any of these uh, movie um, systems that you uh, prefer. And uh, if you haven't ever seen the movie Alfie, it's well worth seeing. It's a wonderful movie and, of course, wonderful music. That's what we heard tonight. That was our jazz feature. And we'll be back with uh, some more great music by someone who is celebrating a birthday anniversary today. His name, Jim Hall. And, of course, Jim was one of the finest and most creative guitar players in jazz music. We'll hear a, a wonderful recording with Jim and a couple of great Canadian musicians actually recorded in Toronto. And we're going to hear that uh, right after a, a few messages. Just like to remind you that you are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR. My name is Gavin Walker, 
And, of course, uh, we're on CITR-FM 101.9 on your dial and also on your computer, www.citr.ca for live streaming. You can get all our podcasts on that, too, past shows and so on and so forth. You can go around that uh, website as well. And we shall return in a very few moments. Looking to get a reliable and affordable used bike? Come to the Bike Kitchen, UBC's full-service community bike shop, located on East Mall between Brock Hall and Irving K. Barber. If you buy a bike from us, bring it back to us when you're done, and we'll give you half of your money back, as long as you took good care of it. If it needs repairs, we'll split the cost with you. Yeah, you heard me right. We'll give you crisp dollar bills for half the original price of any used bike that you buy from us, minus the cost of repairs. For more information about our buyback policy, find us online at thebikekitchen.com. AMS Food Bank. Your access to money during the studies at UBC will most likely be limited, but it is a priority of the AMS Food Bank to ensure your access to food is not. The AMS Food Bank provides emergency food relief seven days a week for all UBC students to volunteer with the Food Bank or for inquiries about how to take advantage of the services provided. Contact them at foodbank.com at ams.ubc.ca. For more information, find the AMS Food Bank on Facebook or feel free to visit anytime across from the Wellness Center and Sprouts. You're listening to CITR 101.9, broadcasting from UBC's Point Grey campus, located on the traditional, unceded, Coast Salish territory of the Hunkamenum-speaking Musqueam people. All right, Jim Hall, wonderful musician, was born today in 1930, and he passed away December 10th, sadly, uh, 2013, so he's been gone for a couple of years. Jim Hall, of course, was uh, one of the most distinctive, wonderful guitar players. He did some classic recordings with uh, Sonny Rollins. Um, he worked with Sonny for a number for a couple of years, about no, about a year and a half, and uh, back in the early '60s, and joined Sonny's uh, quartet. And uh, later on, he worked with Art Farmer. He did some historic recordings uh, with uh, pianist Bill Evans. They were very tight and uh, musically very, very compatible. He was 83 when he died, so he actually give, uh, lived a good long life. And he was uh, a, a very modest man, Jim Hall, he, very unpretentious. When, in his young days, he, he looked like he should be working in a bank, but... Um, he just had that look. All he needed was uh, a suit and tie, and he he looked like a, um, a friendly uh, uh, bank manager. <laughs> but uh, Jim was such an incredible guitar player, so well-loved. We're going to hear this iconic recording, um, three tunes from this recording, which was done at Bourbon Street, one of the great jazz clubs in, in Toronto, in June of 1975, and it was recorded by my good friend Don Thompson, 
and um, Don plays bass on here. And, of course, Don's one of the most wonderful musicians um, that Canada has ever produced. He's, and on drums, the pride of Lord Bing High School, who has also uh, um, achieved the uh, many, many awards, including the Order of Canada. So did Don Thompson as well, both of these guys. Terry Clark is on drums, and of course they were a favorite rhythm section of Jim Hall's, and he really rises to the occasion. Now, Jim Hall was a very consistent musician. I don't think he ever made a recording where he doesn't sound less than good, but he's very inspired with these guys. Um, he's just He takes the music to a different level on this recording. So we're going to hear three tunes. We're going to open with Charlie Parker's Scrapple from the Apple, and then we're going to hear a tune written by Jerome Kern called The Way You Look Tonight. And the final tune is a wonderful tune written by George um, Fragos and Jack Baker called I Hear a Rhapsody. So three tunes from this uh, gig that um, Jim, Don, and Terry played at Bourbon Street in Toronto. And we begin with Charlie Parker's Scrapple from the Apple. Thank you. 
Thank you. 
That was Jim Hall, who was uh, recorded in Toronto in June of 1975. And uh, Don Thompson actually did the recording, and, uh, and he was heard on bass, two great Canadian musicians, both members of the Order of Canada. Don Thompson on bass and Terry Clark on drums, who was raised, Terry was raised right here in Vancouver, and Don was actually born in Powell River and spent many, many years in Vancouver before moving on to uh, uh, down to the States and then to Toronto, where he lives to this day. And uh, Terry, of course, uh, is a resident now of, of Toronto as well. Two great Canadian musicians backing the great... Jim Hall on guitar, one of his finest recordings. He loved to play with these guys, and um, 
This uh, particular recording, which came out on uh, Horizon Records, is called simply Jim Hall Live. It's a really classic production. And uh, we heard three tunes from this gig. Scrapple from the Apple uh, opened the set by Charlie Parker, and then Jerome Kern's The Way You Look Tonight, and finally uh, George Frago and Jack Baker's great tune, I Hear a Rhapsody. Jim Hall, who today, December 4th, would be 87 years old. Now, he died in 2013. He was 83 when he passed away. And Jim was born in Buffalo, New York, and uh, raised in Cleveland, and then headed out to the West Coast. And that's where he began to uh, make recordings and get his uh, feet wet in the, uh, in the jazz scene. And then he eventually moved um, with his wife, Jane, to uh, New York City and began working with Bill Evans and Sonny Rollins and Art Farmer and all kinds of bands and, of course, recording under his own. One of the great guitar players in jazz history, Mr. Jim Hall, and a very, very modest and very beautiful individual as a person. So, small tribute to Jim Hall today. On The Jazz Show, on CITR FM 101.9. My name's Gavin Walker, and of course we're on the web as well, CITR.ca. And uh, we'll be back with some uh, wonderful music for you. More great music, and we're here until after midnight. And we uh, hope that you can uh, stay with us and enjoy what we have to offer every Monday night on The Jazz Show. I'd just like to mention a couple of things that uh, you should check out. One of them is a, a nice gig that's going to happen at uh, Frankie's. And it features someone who doesn't come over to Vancouver that often, but he's a wonderful vocalist. If you like the, the kind of Frank Sinatra-like stylings, uh, of the tunes and, and uh, arrangements and so on. You can't really do better than Vancouver Island's Ralph Barrett. And Ralph will be playing at uh, Frankie's Jazz Club down on Beattie Street with some uh, stellar musicians, including a saxophonist, tenor saxophonist Mike Allen. And Jennifer Scott will be playing uh, piano, and, and I know that she will be doing some duets with, um, with Ralph. Renee Wurst on bass and Craig Scott on drums. And that's happening this Thursday, December 7th. And uh, the cover charge is only $15. Very reasonable to uh, hear this uh, gentleman, Ralph Barrett, who rarely comes over to Vancouver. So it's a real treat for him to be performing here with uh, such great musicians as well. And his show is going to start at 8 p.m. So i just like to single that particular show out because it's a kind of a special event. And uh, we hope that we'll see more of Ralph Barrett. And if you can't make it down this Thursday, um, you may have to wait. So uh, now's the time. This Thursday at Frankie's Jazz Club, December 7th, Ralph Barrett. And, of course, uh, if you want to get on to the schedule at Frankie's and find out all the things that Coastal Jazz and Blues is bringing, 
the best way to do that is to get onto their website, which is coastaljazz.ca. And that's a very comprehensive, well-rounded website. You can also make reservations on the website for Frankie's, uh, which in many cases is very important to do. And you can uh, also pay in advance. You can do all the kind of stuff on that particular website. It's very user-friendly and very easily accessible. And uh, another fine website is the website of vancouverjazz.com. That's put together by Brian Nation, who uh, keeps everything going on that particular website. That's very comprehensive. So uh, it's both of those websites are, are very good if you're not familiar with all the happenings in jazz music in Vancouver. A lot of people uh, still sort of say, well, gee, um, I know about other stuff, but where can I hear some jazz? I never hear about where jazz is happening. Well, um, that's very easy. Everybody's got a computer now, so you just get on that website, check it out. That's coastaljazz.ca or vancouverjazz.com. And uh, we'd just like to remind you that uh, you are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR FM 101.9 or on the web. We live stream at uh, www.citr.ca. And we'll be back in a very few moments with some more fine music. So stay around. UBC's Museum of Anthropology displays long-term and visiting exhibits of indigenous art from around the world. And guided tours are free. Our permanent collection features one of the world's finest exhibits of Northwest Coast First Nations art. Our collection includes 36,000 ethnographic pieces, 535,000 archaeological pieces, and over 600 pieces in the Kroner Ceramics Gallery. There's a lot to take in. Luckily at the Museum of Anthropology, final exams are always take home. If you've never checked out this world-class facility, now's your chance. The Museum of Anthropology is located right on campus and free for all UBC students and faculty. Come enjoy our collection and resources. UBC Music Initiative is a student-led club that aims to connect students' music with their community. We host monthly socials for our members to perform in a welcoming environment and to feel more confident in their music abilities. In addition, we offer students on and off-campus performances that allow them to share their talent and passion while giving back to the community. To learn more, take the initiative by liking us on Facebook or emailing us at ubcmusicinitiative at gmail.com. All right, we're back, and we have something uh, special for you. The music of Cannonball Adderley. This was from his very first Riverside recording, and it's one of my favorites of, uh, of Mr. Adderley's. It was called A Portrait of Cannonball. And I remember buying this, uh, the uh, LP of, the, uh, of this uh, album, 
and uh, just wearing the whole thing out. I just played it over and over again. I just loved this uh, recording and the band that uh, Cannonball Adderley put together. Now, he was um, working at the time with uh, Miles Davis's band, but he uh, had signed uh, a recording contract with Riverside Records, uh, which he, uh, a label that he stayed with for uh, many, many years. He became, um, actually, uh, he worked for uh, the owner of Riverside Records. He became a talent scout, and uh, as he was traveling all around the country with Miles and then later on with his own band, he would hear musicians and he would call uh, the owner of Riverside Records, the, the, the redoubtable Orrin Keep News, and say, hey, I heard this guy in uh, uh, Indianapolis, uh, he, guitar player, his name, um, uh, what was his name now? His name was Wes Montgomery. And uh, have you ever heard of him? And Orrin would say, well, no, I never heard of this guy. And Cannonball says, well, you better come out and check him out. <laughs> that sort of thing would happen all the time. And, of course, uh, Orrin Keep News eventually recorded uh, so many people um, on the recommendation of Cannonball Adderley. But his own records were awfully good. And this one is still right up there as one of my all-time favorite recordings of Cannonball. And what a band that he picked for this session. His homeboy on trumpet... Uh, from Florida was Blue Mitchell, and this was kind of early in Blue Mitchell's career. Blue uh, was a little nervous in the recording studios. His playing is is beautiful, but it, it became um, a little more relaxed a few years later. Um, uh, I, I enjoy his playing from any period, but he, he did um, always strike me as being a little bit nervous in the recording studio, and his playing kind of reflects that. Not in a bad way, really. He's, he's just a much more, he's a, always, always was a careful improviser, and uh, you can hear that care. He doesn't want anything bad to go on a recording. So he kind of holds back a little bit, but he still plays beautifully and plays hand in glove with uh, Cannonball Adderley, of course, who is so confident and uh, uh, formidable on the alto saxophone, but what a rhythm section. Bill Evans on piano, and I love this period of Bill Evans playing. Sam Jones on bass, another Floridian, and the great Philly Joe Jones on drums, who's no relation to Sam. Um, Philly Joe is just incredible on this album. So we're going to hear three tunes from this uh, album, Portrait of Cannonball, which was done the 1st of July in 1958. Uh, we're going to open with a composition written by a fellow alto saxophonist, Gigi Grice. He wrote this tune, and it's called Minority. That, that opens the set. And then we'll um, hear a standard tune played uh, brusquely by Cannonball, and it's a, a great tune from a, a Rodgers and Hammerstein tune called People Will Say We're in Love. Then we're going to hear a Miles Davis tune that Miles never recorded. He actually um, wrote this and gave it to Cannonball to record. And uh, this is the very first version of this tune. And um, <laughs> the night before, um, Orrin Keep News always booked two nights to record. And the night before, they were... Uh, having a run-through of the tune, and of course Miles Davis was sitting in the 
in the sound booth with uh, Mr. Keep News, and <laughs> Blue, the trumpeter Blue Mitchell was so nervous, um, he, he couldn't play because Miles Davis was in the booth listening, and um, uh, they, they canceled the, uh, the, the first night and, and came back the second night. Miles wasn't there and, and recorded everything on the second night. Um, Cannonball told me that, that story. He said Blue was so nervous with Miles sitting in the, re- in the recording booth that he, he couldn't play. He just clammed up. He just choked up. And um, they had to cancel the session. Anyway, everything was done the second night. So we're going to hear this version of Miles Davis's composition called Nardis. And this is the very first rendition of that tune. So Minority, written by Gigi Grice. People will say we're in love, Rogers and Hammerstein, and Nardis. Cannonball Adderley on alto saxophone, Blue Mitchell on trumpet, Bill Evans on piano, Sam Jones on bass, Philly Joe Jones on drums, and here we go.
We heard three pieces from this uh, wonderful album, one of my favorites, by Julian Adderley, Cannonball. And he recorded this. uh, This was his very first album for Riverside Records, and it was called Portrait of Cannonball, recorded the 1st of July, 1958, in New York City. Um, Julian Adderley on alto saxophone with Blue Mitchell on trumpet. Bill Evans on piano, Sam Jones on bass, and Philly Joe Jones on drums. And uh, the first tune was Gigi Grice's great uh, line called Minority. The second tune was Rodgers and Hammerstein's People Will Say We're in Love. And tune number three was a gift from Miles Davis uh, to Cannonball. And uh, he recorded the first version of this tune, and we heard it right here. It's called Nardis. Interestingly enough, Miles never recorded that tune, never played it in his band either, um, as far as we know. And also, uh, it became a staple in Bill Evans' repertoire. And uh, he's very often erroneously given credit for that tune, but it was actually written by Miles Davis. And so it's one of those curiosities that Miles never recorded the tune. Um, It's a beautiful uh, melody and um, quite wonderful. Anyway, uh, that was it. That was his Miles gift to uh, Cannonball was uh, was this tune. So this session, all from Portrait of Cannonball, which came out on Riverside Records. And um, I think we've got something to tell you right now. usually tell you about the weather. That's, uh, that's our introductory theme. And of course, uh, things are, are shaping up a little bit. Um, it's going to get cooler, but it's going to be nice, actually. Um, tonight is uh, going from cloudy to only partly cloudy and, and quite cool, right down to zero. And then tomorrow, with a low of zero and a high of five, it's going to be sunny. And then it's going to warm up a little bit for Wednesday, a mix of sun and cloud for the rest of the week. For Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and right through to Sunday is a mix of sun and cloud. No precipitation in the forecast. And temperatures between uh, plus or minus 2 um, and 10. <laughs> so um, there you go, a bit of a range. So it'll drop down below freezing um, probably a couple of nights, but um, nothing nothing too serious and no precipitation in the forecast. So uh, we're going to see quite a bit of sunshine. So a mixture of sun and cloud for the rest of the week. That's basically it. And of course, um, you are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR FM 101.9 or live streaming on your computer, 
www.citr.ca. My name's Gavin Walker. We're going to turn now to the music of Miles Davis and his first great quintet. He, um, of course, was recording for uh, an independent label, uh, Prestige Records, for many years. He was contracted to that. Miles, of course, had um, decided to form his... uh, He came out of a kind of a dark period in his life in the mid-50s. He was was, uh, strung out on drugs and and so on and so forth, so he had enough inner strength to to, uh, whip that uh, terrible habit. And uh, he was on his way to real jazz stardom. And uh, one thing he had to do was form his own band. And uh, he did, with the help of uh, his ace drummer, Philly Joe Jones, who we just heard on this uh, last recording. Philly Joe um, really helped out Miles uh, put together the first great quintet. It was Philly Joe that uh, um, actually recommended Red Garland, uh, the pianist, uh, to Miles. And uh, when Sonny Rollins was not available, which was Miles, who was Miles' first choice on tenor, um, it was Philly Joe that said, you know, there's a guy in Philadelphia, you know him, his name is John Coltrane. And Miles hired Coltrane. And of course, uh, a young bass player who had just moved to New York from Detroit, Paul Chambers, became uh, Miles' regular bass player for so many years. So the first great quintet was formed. And um, they did a whole series of recordings for prestige recording, uh, prestige records, but Miles was on the way up, and uh, he was uh, the great uh, George Avakian, who was working for Columbia Records, um, talked, said, you know, you should sign with Columbia Records um, now that you have a good band together, and uh, things will change for you, and things certainly did. Miles was still under contract with the old label, so, but he did begin in October of 1955 do his first recordings for Columbia, but the agreement was that um, until Prestige Records' contract expired, Columbia would not release any recordings by Miles. So that was the deal. Eventually, Prestige contract uh, did expire, and of course, um, the Miles Davis quintet was heard on Columbia Records, and of course, uh, was um, the advantage. Of course, was Columbia was a huge company with great distribution and so on and so forth. So these records went all over the world, um, and of course, it helped Miles' career immensely. So we're going to hear the first, um, there are four uh, tunes that they recorded on this uh, clandestine uh, um, recording session uh, before <laughs> before Prestige contract was uh, expired. So this was kind of a secret recording session. Miles took the band into um, Studio D uh, in New York City, Columbia Records' great recording studio on October 26, 1955, and recorded these four tunes. Um, One of them was released on Miles' first album, uh, Round Midnight, and um, 
we're going to hear that first. And it's a Charlie Parker composition played way up. It was a staple of the band. The tune is called Alucha. And a great version of this by uh, Miles' first great quintet, as his band was called. The second tune was written by John Lewis and Dizzy Gillespie and is two-bass hit and features a, a long saxophone solo by John Coltrane. Tune number three was written by Jackie McLean, the great alto saxophonist. Very interesting tune dedicated to Jackie's uh, then baby daughter, and it was entitled Little Melanie. And the final tune was written sort of a co-composition of Bud Powell and Miles Davis. The tune was called Budo. So here are these four tunes that they recorded, the uh, Miles Quintet. Uh, Miles Davis on trumpet, John Coltrane on tenor saxophone in prime early form, uh, Red Garland on piano, Paul Chambers on bass, and, of course, once again, the great Philly Joe Jones on drums. So here we go with the first tune, Charlie Parker's Alucha. <laughs> Thank you. 
That was the first formal recording session by Miles Davis and his first great quintet. It all came together in the summer of 1955 uh, with uh, stable personnel, including, of course, Miles on trumpet, John Coltrane on tenor saxophone, Red Garland on piano, Paul Chambers on bass, who was still a teenager at the time, and Philly Joe Jones on drums. And we heard four tunes from this uh, first recording session done in October, October 25th, 1955, in New York City for Columbia Records. And it was a clandestine session uh, because Miles was still under contract with uh, Prestige Records, but Columbia agreed Um, not to release any material until his prestige contract had expired. And, of course, they were as good as their word. But uh, Miles then continued um, to record for Columbia Records for many, many, many years. So we heard four tunes. Uh, The first one was a Charlie Parker original entitled Alucha. The second tune was uh, a tune called Two Bass Hit, written by John Lewis and Dizzy Gillespie, and featured uh, John Coltrane solo. And tune number three was written by Jackie McLean, and that was written for his young daughter called Little Melanie. And the final tune was a Bud Powell, Miles Davis co-composition, entitled Budo. So four tunes, those were the four tunes that the band recorded on that historic day in 1955. Miles Davis and the first great quintet, as it was called. We're going to turn our attention now. I'd like to remind you, of course, that you are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR FM 101.9 or via live streaming at www.citr.ca. My name is Gavin Walker. 
We're going to turn our attention now to the one and only Lionel Hampton. And he made a whole series of recordings for Norman Grants. Norman was not interested in Hampton's band. Um, Hampton, of course, had a very successful uh, band, uh, big band, and uh, it was commercially successful, and all kinds of great musicians passed through the band. And um, a lot of it was, you know, showbiz, and, and uh, the Lionel had singers and dancers and uh, all kinds of stuff, but uh, the band was very, very popular. But Norman Grants, the, the great uh, impresario, was interested in Hampton's playing because he was the prime mover and shaker of the vibes. He was really the first great vibes player, um, and he was a pioneer of that instrument, and sort of everything stylistically kind of came from Lionel Hampton. And um, there were other great vibes players from his generation. Red Norville was one, Adrian Rollini, but it was Lionel Hampton that really dominated the whole scene. And Lionel uh, was such an incredible musician, and he could adapt to any surroundings. And Lionel's first recordings for Norman Grants were done with a great band. Oscar Peterson on piano, Ray Brown on bass, and Buddy Rich on drums. It really doesn't get any better than that. And we're going to hear Lionel Hampton um, do his composition and just listen to um, the interplay between Lionel Hampton and Oscar Peterson and on this tune is absolutely incredible. And, of course, um, we're going to follow it up with uh, another tune by this same band. We're going to hear uh, Stompin' at the Savoy, which was uh, another favorite of Lionel Hampton's and played by this uh, incredible quartet. So check out Hamp. Here we go.
all of those tunes on uh, this recording session, and we heard two of them, uh, were all done basically in one take. And uh, obviously, uh, Hampton had so much fun playing with uh, Oscar Peterson on piano, Ray Brown on bass, and did you notice that Buddy Rich never lifted a stick on this, on, um, on those two tunes? He played the whole thing with brushes. Uh, Buddy Rich could do that kind of stuff and still uh, drive uh, a big band. Uh, amazing, amazing drummer. And, of course, the great Hemp on Vibes. And we heard two tunes basically um, associated with uh, Benny Goodman. The, the, uh, the first tune was uh, Airmail Special, which was a, a co-composition between guitarist Charlie Christian and Benny Goodman. And the second tune, uh, Goodman was one of the co-composers along with uh, Edgar Sampson, who wrote Stompin' at the Savoy. So Airmail Special, Stompin' at the Savoy, recorded for Norman Grant's Clef label uh, back in the mid-'50s. And, of course, Hampton just uh, relishing the thought of um, being hired on that la uh, label to just play and of course, um, that was uh, he made a whole bunch of albums for uh, Norman Grants because Norman was not interested in Hampton's band. Um, he was interested in Hampton, the musician, the pioneer of the vibes, and uh, some great, great recordings, including the two tracks that we heard um, by Hemp. All right. On our jazz feature this evening, we heard a piano player named Roger Kellaway, who um, was on the jazz feature, which was the uh, Sonny Rollins album, the music from the uh, movie Alfie that Sonny, re Sonny uh, composed uh, for. Roger Kellaway did, um, is still very much with us. As a matter of fact, he's on Facebook. You can check him out, Roger Kellaway, wonderful pianist, still very active, and uh, also... Um, recorded a wonderful album for a small label, Regina Records, and uh, this was called A Jazz Portrait of Roger Kellaway. So we're going to hear three tunes from this album with Roger on piano and Jim Hall on guitar, who we paid tribute uh, to um, in the earlier uh, uh, part of the program. Uh, Jim Hall's birthday is today. Uh, he would have been 87. And, uh, yeah, so Jim Hall is on here. Steve Swallow on acoustic bass. This is before he specialized in uh, electric bass. And Tony Inzalaco on drums. And we're going to hear three Roger Kellaway compositions. The first one is entitled Step Right Up. The second one is called Same Old, Same Old. And the third one is called And elsewhere. Three tunes by the very creative pianist and composer Roger Calloway with Jim Hall of course.
three tunes from a very rare album by pianist Roger Kellaway, and it came out on a very small label. It was recorded in New York in 1963 and features uh, Roger in several contexts, um, and we played the three tunes that he did with uh, this uh, group, with uh, Roger, of course, on piano, Jim Hall on guitar, Steve Swallow on acoustic bass, and Tony Inzalaco on drums. And we heard three Roger Calloway compositions. The first one was entitled Step Right Up. The second one was called Same Old, Same Old. And the third one was entitled And Elsewhere. From this uh, album, A Jazz Portrait of Roger Calloway. And, of course, uh, Mr. Calloway is still very much with us. And uh, a wonderful... Uh, very creative pianist, Roger Kellaway. Here is Rasan Roland Kirk. We're going to close with uh, a few tunes from this uh, wonderful album that he recorded many years ago called Now Please Don't You Cry, Beautiful Edith. Edith is uh, Roland Kirk's wife, and she is still alive and continues um, with his uh, legacy and what he did in music. All of this was recorded in uh, April of 1967, and it features um, Rassan Roland Kirk on all of his horns, and he uh, is accompanied here by Lonnie Liston-Smith on piano, Ronald Boykins on drums, who uh, spent a lot of years with Sun Ra, wonderful bass player, and uh, Grady Tate, on drums, who just passed away, just a superb drummer, and uh, Kirk, of course, on all of his horns. I mean, Roland Kirk was an incredible, uh, phenomenal musician. Um, he was laughed at at first for um, for being a gimmick, um, but then <laughs> when people uh, heard him, and of course he began sitting in when he arrived in New York, uh, people like Charles Mingus and, and so many other people said, wait a minute here, this man has something to say. The sad thing about Roland Kirk is that um, he left us far too soon. One of the most unique musicians on the planet. Uh, we are start the set with one piece of music called Blue Roll, and we'll carry on. I'll let you know the other tunes we're going to play after we hear them. So here is... Rasan Roland Kirk playing some blues for you.
should know by now. Don't you think they should know by now? After 15 years, after 25 years, they should know by now. I'm sorry, baby. I'll never know because I just don't understand. As Roland Kirk said, they should know by now, but they don't. <laughs> Anyway, that was uh, four tunes from this wonderful album that he dedicated it uh, to his wife. Uh, the, the album was uh, issued on Verve Records, recorded in April of 1967, and it was called Now Please Don't You Cry, Beautiful Edith. And of course, Edith is still very much with us, and she is dedicated to preserving Roland Kirk or Rassan Roland Kirk's legacy. And... Uh, we heard um, Roland on all of his instruments, um, tenor saxophone, stritch, manzello. Those were two um, primitive uh, uh, early saxophones um, that he found in a pawn shop and, and, of course, added those to his arsenal, as well as clarinet and flute. Um, and sometimes he, he played all of those instruments all at once. Uh, one-man band, 
Roland Kirk, phenomenal, phenomenal musician. Um, with Lonnie Liston-Smith on piano, uh, Ronnie Boykins on bass, and the late and wonderful Grady Tate on drums. We heard four Roland Kirk compositions, beginning with the blues, Blue Roll, uh, where he was heard on clarinet, and, of course, saxophone as well. And um, then we heard a, a piece of music called uh, the title track, um, dedicated to his uh, wife. Now, please don't you cry, beautiful Edith. Uh, two number three was entitled Stompin' Grounds, and two number four was obviously called Why Don't They Know? Rasan Roland Kirk. Thereby ending another edition of The Jazz Show on CITR, FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca, for live streaming. My name's Gavin Walker, and I'd like to thank you very much for being uh, out there. If you stayed with us uh, all of this time, from, uh, from 9 right up to the end, good on you. And if you joined us later on in the show and, and uh, tuned in a little later, good too. Um, all ears are welcome on The Jazz Show. We'll be back next week with our second jazz feature from a motion picture. This time it's a French film which had nothing to do with jazz, but the soundtrack was composed and played by none other than Miles Davis and some of his most emotionally um, deep and uh, introspective playing. Um, it's a wonderful soundtrack, and we're going to hear that next week on the jazz feature. And, of course, we start the show at 9 p.m. and begin each show with the jazz feature. We begin the jazz show with the jazz feature. There you go. Anyway, thanks very much for listening. On behalf of uh, everybody, especially you and you and you, take care. Bye-bye.
Thank you.